Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today our guest is Adam Urbanski. And yes, you heard the last name right, and no, we are not related. (laughs) Uh, Adam is a man whose shadow I've been following at events for years. I even had a client who called me Adam for the first few weeks simply because our last name is the same. We have a lot of, (laughs) it's true, we have a lot of mutual friends who tell me amazing things about him. And Adam, we've talked a little bit, and I've only met him once, uh, and it was a brief handshake uh, many years ago at Infusionsoft's annual conference. But I've asked Adam to be here today, one, out of personal self-interest, because I would love to know more about him. Uh, But second, because starting with only $194 and a limited knowledge of English, Adam built a multi-million dollar restaurant business in less than 10 years. Now people call him the millionaire marketing mentor. Uh, He's called that by entrepreneurs worldwide, and he's coached over 30,000 business owners, teaching them effective and affordable affordable business development strategies through his new company, The Marketing Mentors. And The Marketing Mentors provides a variety of popular distance learning and marketing training programs, which includes attract clients like crazy, overnight authority event, from contacts to contracts, info profit success, and secrets of master networkers. But most importantly, Adam's clients and students generate millions of dollars in extra income each year because they follow his advice. So Adam, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being here. How are you today, my friend? I'm great, Daryl, and it's my pleasure being here. And I've got to tell you, it's fantastic to do an interview with an interviewer who knows how to pronounce my last name. <laughs> I know, right? Yubadinsky, Yubadashki, like you get all these weird things. <laughs> I came up with a shortcut. So just, just say Urban Ski. Yeah. Urban yeah. Ski. There we go. There that we that go. would do. But anyway, uh, pleasure being here. I'm looking forward to, to our chat. Yeah, no, me too, me too. And so, now you're actually in Urbanski. I was adopted into the name, but you're actually, you're from Poland and all that, right? Like, what's the background? Is there any, is it a really popular name in Poland? I mean, I know in Canada where I grew up, there was only one other Urbanski and they were in Toronto. And like, that was it for the entire province of Ontario. Just two of us. Well, I didn't know any other Urbanskis except for my own family growing up in Poland. And um, I've run into a few here in Southern California, and, and just I think recently I'm becoming more aware. It's like Urbanski's are popping up everywhere. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. Somehow this name got more popular than it used to be. But uh, no, it's not a very common name, but it's you know not like the least common as well. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, well, I love I love every Urbanski I've met so far. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 
Maybe can you tell us a little bit about like how did you get started? Why did you know? Why did you come to America? Like you didn't know very much English. You started a restaurant. Like how did how did all that come about? How did you get going? Man, all all such great questions, and I wish we had you know like a weekend seminar to just kind of dive into some of the stories because there's so much that uh, that I think uh, most people can learn just just from kind of my own little process. But, you know, I always tell people I was young and stupid when I came to the United States. The, the young part is fading away. The stupid part is pretty stubborn <laughs> and, and sticks around. But, you know, it's kind of like this typical. Well, so I came in 89, uh, which was pretty much just around the time when the, when the Berlin Wall was coming down and the, um, and the, and the Polish communism government, communist government was, was being um, Abolished, and we had like first, you know, really truly democratic elections and so on. Mm. So I really was escaping from this no opportunity type land and mentality where I thought I've got to go elsewhere to really kind of make my own way. And I think another big thing that at the time Poland had three year mandatory military service, and even though the Polish army was pretty much largely, you know, uh, run by our friends from, from the east, which is Russia. So uh, it just wasn't, and, and me being very entrepreneurial from the very early age, I could not mm. see myself being under someone else's heel as a, as a soldier. And, and God bless the people that can do it and have, you know, and, and I built for that. I just thought, you know, for three years in that, it's just no way, no, no way in hell I can make that, I can survive that. Right. <laughs> and really by a lot of miracles, I got out and got to the United States. Again, lots of stories in there. And came with 194 bucks. Like the only thing I could say is, "How do you do?" And excuse me, do you have the time? <laughs> and if someone answered there, I had my eyes were like big saucers, and I had yeah. no idea what they were saying back then. It's like, uh, yeah, uh huh, just nod and pretend you understand, right? I know exactly. I know exactly what it feels like. And the worst part is when you you say that stuff, or you do have a follow up sentence or two that you say really well, and people just assume that you know so much more. That was me in Japan. Like I had some few sentences, and then they thought I knew Japanese, and you're just like, like smiling, nodding. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and and again, I was high school graduate. I had no skills, so it was pretty much kind of uh, you know survival of the fittest, so to speak. I, you know, it's like I, if I didn't kill something, so to speak, I didn't get to eat. And by kill, I don't mean like physically go and murder someone, of course. but, you know, do something that um, generates revenue. Right. So, and, and it really, it took me about 90 days to kind of find my, my three to four months to kind of find my bearings and start figuring things out. But, you know, I've got to tell you, like, one thing that I did is I, I had this lady that took me in, and uh, I took her cordless drill, Makita drill, and, and I went and purchased peepholes. It was in, in Queens, New York. You know, so this is early, you know, this is like the year 1990. And I don't speak English, so I had a card written. I'll tell you what was on the card in a moment, but I had this Makita drill, and I went to the local hardware store, whatever it was, and I, I bought a, a handful of those little peepholes things you put in the door, and they were like, you know, I don't know, 25, 50, 75 cents. I forget what they, but they were like, you know, totally inexpensive, right? right? Back then, I don't know what they cost now, but they were just like under a dollar. And then I would go door to door, knock on the door. I would, when I when I rang a bell or knock on the door, I would step back and I would just let people, when they open, I would let them see the card. And the card basically say, hey, you know, I'm new to the neighborhood. I don't speak English very well, but I'm really handy with the drill and I could install a peephole and make your home a lot safer. Uh, you know, would you would be willing to invest $5 and, and five minutes of your time and allow me to install a peephole? 
I mean, it's all really set on the card in, in a pretty large font. You know, so I would like to stick a card in the hand and plan to eat. And some people slammed it and gave me the card back and slammed the door back in my, you know, my face. And some people allowed me to, uh, to do that, which really was a five-minute process. I was just like measure, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of things and drill through, put that thing through, you know, pop, pop it together, and, and that's it. And, man, that's like uh, I didn't even think about it until years later that, you know, this is how I turned 50 cents into $5, yeah, you know, multiple it. times a day. And I had really no other skills other than just knowing how to drill a hole with a drill and, <laughs> and put that thing through. So that's kind of the first thing. And, and you know, I always look. So one of the things that got me ahead that I want to share with people is that you cannot, this is very entrepreneurial. People who come to being an entrepreneur through academic background and corporate background, which is pretty much nearly everyone, mm-hmm. And they have parents who grow up in the same structure, in, in corporate structure and academic structure. They always wait for someone else to give them permission to either do something or call themselves something. Mm-hmm. And from the very, you know, I had, I had no skills. I had no title. I had no education. So I couldn't rely on this. So I basically had to go and claim to be something or someone and just prove that I am it. Mm-hmm. So my parents, I grew up in the bakery. Uh, my parents had a bakery. Now, I was not a baker. Many times, you know, in, in, in growing in, in, a, in a private, in one of the very few privately owned businesses in, in a communist Poland, um, I would be frequently woken up in the middle of the night because employee didn't show up or whatever, and I would have to step in just as part of a team right. uh, to do whatever I was able to do. You know, it's like sweep the floors, you know, handle this, push mm-hmm. this away. Uh, but but I had somewhat of an orientation around the bakery. So guess what I did? I went from bakery to bakery, and I told people I'm a baker. I'm looking for a job. Mm. And man, so finally, some guy, you know, three months into the search, had mercy on me. Jewish Hungarian Jews, Russian Jewish Hungarian uh, kind of thing, and and they took me. And I spoke Russian, obviously, growing up in Poland. So. They, they found me in like 4 o'clock in the morning one day and said, hey, you've got a job. Obviously, someone else didn't show up, so my lucky break. Mm-hmm. Man, it didn't take much for this guy to figure out that I'm not a baker. Uh, <laughs> it probably took him the first you know, 20 minutes to realize I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but, man, I worked my ass off, and let's, guess what? By the time I showed up the next morning, I was a fully-fledged baker. I knew exactly what to do yeah. because you know, not learning that quickly was not an option. And that's kind of how I've lived a lot of my entrepreneurial things. It's like I would basically claim something and then go through rapid training and learning mode and go like, I better live up to that label or I'm completely screwed. But if I waited for something, I would think, well, I've got to go to school, maybe read books, I've got to get some training, some certifications. And meanwhile, I would have starved. Yeah, I, so, I agree wholeheartedly. Jim Rohn has a great quote where he says, formal educa- education will make you a living, but self-education will make you a fortune. And, you know, and that's so real because um, I don't know what the last couple of years it, it's been, but I remember reading, it was a McLean Canadian magazine. They were saying the top 10 in-demand jobs in 2012 didn't exist, or in 2013 didn't exist in 2012. And the world that we're in, it's changing so fast. How do you, right? How is formal education? I mean, a lot of kids, they come out of university and college and the education they got is obsolete because some new development, you know? And so I, yeah, I'm, I, I mean, at the time it might've sounded backwards, but I think that that's a really good, I don't know. I think that's a really good way. And it's obviously served you very, very well um, in in your life and in your career. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned about jobs that didn't exist and are top paying jobs today. Social media is, you know, is one thing that comes to mind. Think about people that, that deal with podcasts today. I mean, podcasts didn't exist a few years ago. Yep. Think about we both use a company called Infusionsoft, and, and how you know uh, Infusionsoft experts you have today. And again, you know, a few years ago that didn't even exist. Yep. And I think about my my kids. I've got two daughters. They're both in college, and they both kind of study business and entrepreneurial topics. But I'm thinking, you know, they graduate, and I don't necessarily know if if the school is equipping them for anything that they will that they will encounter in real life. Mm. But there are a couple of things that, that come to mind is, you know, uh, Wayne Gretzky said that you, the reason he was such a winning player is because he would always skate to the puck was going, yeah. not where the puck is, right? right? So it's a great quote. But what it, another, what I'm, I'm, I'm going to combine it with another saying, and it's something that um, I sort of intuitively arrived at, but my, uh, my daughter's high school water polo coach um, one of the exercises he had them do was kind of think about where the ball is in the pool and how to be always aware of what's going on. And the skill he was teaching them was situational awareness. Like you can't just be a solo player in a pool amongst other players. You, you have to be there and you realize you're part of the entire pool. So, so even though you like, you know, swimming with the ball and, and whatever you are, whatever you're doing at the moment, you've got to be aware where the rest of your teammates are, where the opponents are. You've got to be aware of the entire pool. Mm-hmm. You, because if you don't, you're going to get crushed. You're going to get, you know, your ball is going to be taken away from you. You're going to be blocked. You've got to be aware of the whole thing. And I, I think it's the same for all the sports, all the team sports and games. But where I'm heading with it in business, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You've got to have this situational awareness of what's going on in your marketplace, what's needed. Uh, you know, where, where are you, what are your potential customers or ideal customers looking for? What are your competitors preparing or, 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 or doing right now? What's missing? And again, where, it, where the puck is and where the puck is going. And if you've got that awareness, you, know, you can always get ahead and, uh, and do well for yourself. Yeah, that's great. You looked up that quote for me, didn't you? Because it's Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, as I started saying it, I thought about it, but no, I didn't. It's, just, it's such a good quote. <laughs> it is a good quote. And yeah. it's such such frequently used quote, you know? Yep, yep. Yeah, that's but if, you know, here's another thing that I've got to tell you, kind of my unique ability is taking quotes or things that people take for granted and uh, giving them a different meaning. So we always hear things and we kind of go like, yeah, yeah, that's so smart, I've heard it, it's all right. But very few people actually stop and think about it. If you really know that quote, do you know what the heck it means for you in your life? How would you actually apply it? Mm. So just this thing, you know, where the park is and where the park is going. So for, for our listeners, think about where you are in your life right now, whether it's relationship, money, career, business. Think about what does that mean, and are you where the puck is, or are you heading where the puck is going? Because if you are where the puck is right now, you're going to be obsolete in the next 12 to, to, uh, you know, to, to 36 months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, you're, you're right. That's a great thing, and definitely for those people that are listening, they should definitely think about that. And what, what area is most important to them as far as, like, what's the most critical thing that in their jobs or their careers or their business, and what's the evolution of that? Um, because that's so many people. I mean, look at what happened to newspapers, right? They they weren't yep. they they forgot the problem that they were actually solving, and they weren't paying attention to where the puck was going, and they got white music. That's another one, just yep. decimated. 
Um, yep. So that's real. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is pain and it's suffering <laughs> and it's torture. So no, that's that's really really huge, Adam. That's great knowledge. What were some of the biggest challenges for you then? I mean, obviously those were some when you first got started, but now you're a baker and you're getting into business. I mean, you obviously didn't wake up a millionaire maker. So what were some of the biggest challenges for you on your path? I mean, aside from not speaking the language and not having the money, not having any kind of connections or education. <laughs> aside from those minor things, you know, I think I had a, I had a one major challenge, and I was, uh, I was lazy, and, lazy and I wanted to be rich. Mm. <laughs> and that's kind of a, uh, that's a little bit difficult, but I think it's also a blessing, because I think in, in, a, in a nutshell, the best entrepreneurs are kind of lazy. And I don't mean lazy like they don't want to work. But we're always looking for a better way to accomplish something, which drives us to create new solutions. So, you know, that always, so so I I kept searching, like, how can I get, you know, farther ahead faster? And and obviously it became painfully clear that working for someone else, that's not not going Mm -hmm. to be a way to do that. So I started looking for other ways to be employed in a different structure where I got a bigger piece of the pie. as my compensation or just downright own my own things. And, and, and now as I'm going down this pathway, I totally forgot what was the question that you asked me. Just your biggest challenges, your biggest obstacles in, in, oh. in, on your path to becoming a millionaire maker. Huh. You know, uh, when I really think about this question, Daryl, I, I think a couple of things. Number one, that my I don't even think I have I have come across my biggest challenge yet. I always think that, you know, I'm always thinking, um, I'm being very optimistic. I, I call myself the, uh, you know, the optimistic realist. I always expect the best outcomes, but I'm always thinking about um, the worst case solutions. Mm. So I think that it's very easy when you achieve certain level of success to kind of get lulled into complacency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm always thinking that, you know, there's something that I'm, I'm never, I'm always thinking, you know what, there will be a time where I least expected that the rag will be pulled from underneath me. And uh, again, I better be ready. Mm-hmm. So that's one. And the second thing, uh, in terms of the greatest challenge in how I have overcome it, I think my greatest challenge is actually myself and my way of thinking and there is no way to overcome it once. It, the only way to overcome it is to con- continually work on it. Mm. And just again, to put it kind of in practical terms, for people that I bet you have a lot of listeners who are entrepreneurs, right, who run, mm. run their own businesses. So I think in terms of like my own journey, starting my own coaching, consulting, information marketing business. Well, the first thing when I started the business, uh, I needed to figure out how to name the business, right? But once I got it named, then the next, the biggest problem was how do I get clients? That was the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. And so I got to solve this problem. Now, once I solved this problem, uh, then another problem occurred, which was how do I continue to get clients without working with existing clients all the time? Mm. And then the next problem occurred, which was, okay, I've got to bring somebody on board to help me. So now I've got to gain skills of interviewing people and hiring people and now once that gets to a certain level then you've got to realize well now you've got to have some systems in place and managing those people so again learning different skill sets and now you've got a few people working for you you have to realize okay well in order for that to work i've got to become 
not just a, a provider and a marketer. I'm going, to pro- I'm going to become a visionary and a leader for my for my little tribe mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So that's another skill, right? And it just it never ends. The skills that you've got have gotten you exactly to where you are right now. And if you want to go an inch farther, the skills that you currently have are already either a downright, uh, are at least obsolete, and in the worst case scenario, they're downright preventing you to the next step. So if you become the best technician, the best at doing what you want to do, it will probably help you get to a certain level. But that beyond that level, if you want to grow to the neck, that's, so it may take you to, let's say, $100,000 a year business. Mm-hmm. But if you want to get this to a million-dollar a year business, the fact that you are the best technicians is likely what's tripping you up from going to the million-dollar level because you're going to be clinging on to doing certain tasks mm-hmm. that are okay at $100,000 but a complete no-no at the million-dollar level. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Keep going. I just that's such a great point because that's uh, Einstein said. Like the, I forget his quote, but it's like you can't solve the the problems that we created with our current level of thinking can't be solved by the level of thinking we have. It's some I'm, I'm, I butchered that quote, but it's exactly what you're talking about. The skill set you yeah, got that got yeah. you where you were. Yeah, it won't. That's as, that's as far as it's going to get you. So. Yeah, and I, I love that quote. And again, to kind of circle back to what I shared earlier, which is I, I love to take quotes and make them practical. So, so let's think about that quote, right? So basically what Einstein says is that you cannot cre- solve a problem with the same level of awareness of thinking that created the problem in the first place. Right. So to, to give you an idea, let's say we take, again, a person who maybe you know runs a business, right? Let's say I, I, I deal with a lot of service professionals. So let's say we take... You know, a coach, a consultant, an attorney, and they've started the business and they got themselves to like the first fifty thousand dollars, and then they realize, you know, in order for me to grow the business, I really should be doing more marketing online. I've got to become better in marketing online. Now, here's the thing: uh, most of them will go in there and study for months about building a website, a better website, and they'll start looking for systems and solutions and start learning themselves how to do it. And the reason for it is they're thinking at a you know fifty thousand dollar income. So for them to invest, you know, let's say five thousand dollars in the website, it's like, oh my god, unthinkable. I don't even have it. Right. And I say, okay, so think about how long does it take someone at fifty thousand dollar thinking to solve a website problem? And it can be anywhere from ninety days to years there are, and you've seen it where people kind of know what needs to be done, but they won't move for years. Mm-hmm. Now, what I'm asking people to do is think about if your business was 10 times bigger at half a million dollars, how would you solve your website problem? Right. And how long would it take? And typically the answer is anywhere from three hours to three days at the most. Mm-hmm. Three weeks may be on an outstretch. Because you would just write a check and to give it to someone and say, "Go do it. I want it done." And you've got you've got three days to do it. Right, right. You wouldn't invest, you know, three months or three years, but you because your thinking is different. Think of think about yourself, you know, as a CEO of a five hundred dollar company. And then again, once you get to five hundred thousand dollars a year, you want to start thinking, okay, whatever problem I'm experiencing right now. I am only seeing limited solutions from my vantage point. Now, let me just kind of close my eyes and envision that I run a $5 million enterprise. How would I address this problem? And the solutions will be completely different. So the key to highlight here is not that you want to create or or engage in solutions and, and activities, 
that are beyond your means. That's not what I'm saying. But you want to engage in, in activities that are driven by 10 times thinking, by, your, by the thinking of, you have to be thinking and taking action from where you want to be, not from where you are. Mm. Right. Yeah, I've heard somebody said, uh, it was a Tony Robbins quote or something, it was, you know, what would you do to solve this problem if you had the answer? Mm. You know, and just ask yourself that question, well, if I had the answer, I would, I would do that. And yeah, so and it's so funny because a lot of times the answer is already in people. Like what you just said, a lot of people, they're sitting there already, like they just don't even, re- you know what I mean? Like they don't even recognize that they're in their own way of the success that they want. Um, yep. That's awesome. That's so awesome. And so, again, it's so easy to dish it out as a lesson. It's a lot harder to practice because <laughs> we get stuck in our own way and we kind of think that our problem is so unique and so difficult, there is no solution. But if we just take the time and, and just quiet ourselves and go, okay, if, if, if I were in a different place, you know, if I were to, you know, I'm, a, I'm at, the, at the five feet level, if I were to elevate myself to, to 40 feet level, what would, we, what, would be, what would I actually see? You know, I love this, this video circulating, circulating on the Internet, which starts with, you know, like a planet Earth, and then it goes farther and farther and farther and shows, like, the infinite number of, of galaxies that exist, and pretty much, you know, Earth disappears, like, by the time they get to even our galaxy, it's like it's impossible to see it. And I think it's the same thing in our problems, because we're so right up against them. A lot of the times they appear so huge and unsurmountable. But if you just gain some distance and perspective, you start realizing it doesn't, it's not even a problem at all. It's actually maybe even an opportunity. Right. Right. And that's, in fact, in a lot of, a lot of problems and a lot of challenges, there, that is the opportunity. I mean, that's, that's where some of the biggest breakthroughs come through in business is by doing, being able to turn something that's either pulling you down or preventing you into something that will uplift you and push you forward. I mean, anyone listening to this call, if they think about that, what if your biggest problem was your, actually your, part of your solution? What would that look like? Right, because I think that that's exactly what we talked about before. If like that lateral thinking, that ability to look at some things outside the box, that's the problem. Again, talking about what you mentioned before, when people come out of school, they've been trained to think a certain way, and that's not necessarily the right way to solve a problem. If your only tool is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail, and that might not be it. And humans were 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 capable of so much more. We're so adaptable. We're so smart. I mean, we managed to step outside the food chain. Like people don't even recognize that. Like we got out of the food chain. Like that's not our problem anymore. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? I saw a great stand-up mm. skit. Louis C.K. is like, for every other creature on the planet, the li- their lives end with screaming and pain as something eats their stomach. You know. But like we just we solved that problem. We're like, no, that we don't want that problem. And so we're just so capable. But a lot of people, again, they're just they they're almost afraid to to look stupid or to brainstorm or to ask for help or like you said to write the check to get the person that you think has the answer to come in and solve it because they're stuck in protecting kind of what they have or, you know, where they're at. Um, there's a great video Steve Steve Jobs uh, posted where he's like, you know, a lot of people, they think that the world is something they're supposed to live inside, you know, and they're supposed to not like, not bump into the walls or anything too much, just kind of stay single file and just kind of get through life. But he's like, but when you realize that life is like this malleable thing that you can push in on one end and something will poke out on the other, suddenly if you can just live life a bit more like a child and be a bit more playful with it, suddenly, right? Like, I mean, you even, before the call, we even talked about that. You and I were talking about like, you know, once you achieve certain levels financially and how that empowers you to do some of your best work. 
work because now there's no fear of scarcity involved in it at all. And it's purely creative and fun. And you know what I mean? And it just, and how that changes things. And if you can just pull that from wherever you are, if anyone's listening to this call and they're going through a tough time, I mean, just try to, as hard as it might be, try to step away from the, the fear and the scarcity in that and just try to approach it from a purely, like from a, from a, a, a perspective of mastery. If I wanted to be masterful in doing this, how would I do it? You know, and, and that might, that might provide some clarity. So, well, so Adam, so what were some of the, like, I guess we've given, you've given some great advice for people that are starting out and struggling. Um, are there like, do you have any favorite books or anything that you felt really helped you? And, and that, I don't know that like, what's on your shelf? Man, um, it's funny cause I knew you would ask that. So I was kind of scanning my <laughs> bookshelf thinking, what books would I mention? And you know, it's like, it changes all the time. You can always go back to a few classics, but I think there's a couple, there are a couple of books that, that I would mention to people. Um, you know, I really believe that whatever we undertake, 95% um, of the foundation that decides whether or not we will succeed or fail is really our thinking, right? So, so the book that comes to mind is The Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Mm, and it's just such an old book, and uh, I don't think that should be like a required reading for people because it really starts giving different perspective on this, you know, inner thinking and outside reality, um, and, and the pliability of our brains and, and how we can start shifting our thinking and just make ourselves more successful by, by changing our thinking. And, and uh, you know, it's a little bit different than the uh, think and grow rich. It's just a little bit more scientific and a little bit more maybe practical, maybe not quite as good of a story to read, but just such good material. And the second book that I came across about a you know, year, two years ago, I think, that I now... Um, tell a lot of people to go and read because most, one of the first skills as entrepreneur that people have to master that most folks um, by misinformation and uh, erroneous thinking are very allergic to is the skill of selling and persuasion. Hmm. Right? It's like if you don't know how to sell, if you don't know how to persuade, if you don't know how to influence then you pretty much are going to starve, mm-hmm. right? Are you going to be working? This is kind of what holds people, what, what makes, what I think um, creates so much failure for entrepreneurs is they are great technicians. They're really good at doing something. And then they think, well, let me just go and strike out on my own and do it. I can do it so much better than the people that employ me and I get to keep all the money, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of a difficult thinking. But what they don't realize is that they just have a, they know how to do something. But um, what they don't know is why people want it done, Mm -hmm. which is the information that the people that employ them have. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're being an employee versus an owner. So the book that kind of uh, uh, really put it in a nice story and and a very good uh, structure to learning how to sell and changing the relationship with selling is a book by Harry Brown. And I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name the right way. Yep, it's B-R-O-W-N-E. Right, right. And the title is The Secret of Selling Anything. The Secret of Selling Anything. And, you know, one lesson just to kind of share with folks is the big takeaway I've got. And I, I now have my, my team read this book, uh, especially folks who are kind of involved in, in selling, is that 
he basically replaces the word profit with the word happiness. And everything is about exchange that gives us more happiness. Hmm. And, uh, you know, we really get that through our thick skulls, that it's not about trying to manipulate someone into doing something they, they don't want to do. Right. But it's about presenting opportunity for them to gain more happiness right. through whatever. Right? And, and, and everybody's definition of happiness is different. And everybody's pathway to happiness is different. So that just completely changes everything and allows, you know, I think it, it's a, it's a found, fantastic found platform foundation to uh, start looking at prospects in a different way, start tapping into their way of thinking, understanding what they buy, and start to present our offers in a different way, in a way that's more conducive to them to see it as a pathway to more happiness rather than just you know, a way to, um, to spend some money. You know, I, I love how you said that because I've had a theory for a while that exactly like you said, the, 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 what impedes people from being able to be persuasive. And even like, I, I suffer from this too. It's not like I'm cured of everything. Um, but I think sometimes is you, people get too caught up in themselves and it's almost like a feeling of self-worth, right? Where they're not thinking about the other person at all. Like exactly like you said, they're not thinking about the other person and their happiness. Um, Dan Kennedy, a mutual mentor of ours has a great example. I think in one of his books, I forget which one, but he talks about, you know, someone goes to deliver a package and he goes to get the express and the clerk talks him out of paying the extra for the express to save a couple of dollars, you know, by sending it the other way. But the package that the guy has, like he doesn't care about the cost. What he cares about is how fast it gets there. You know what I mean? But the other guy, he's from his perspective and, you know, he's not in a rush to get the package anywhere, you know? And so it's like, it's almost doing business for where we have to be selfless. We have to get out of, again, get out of our own way. When you're talking with someone, it's about them and their happiness. And it's not, and that's, I think where it comes to people feel guilty asking for anything for themselves, but it's not if it's about helping the other person, you know? Um, And I think that's, you know, it's, we're, we're trying to shed this old school thinking of like selling ice to Eskimos. Right. And uh, yeah. that's, that's a great book. You know, when you said that I have it and I'm, I'm going to go reread it because that's such a, it is, it's such a great book. It was, um, what's the title again? It's how to sell anything. It's Harry Brown, B R O W N E. Was that right? Uh, the secret of selling anything. That's it. The secret, the secret of selling anything. And it's by um, Harry B-R-O-W-N-E. Yeah, that's a great book. In fact, uh, Gary Bensavenga, one of the greatest copywriters of all time, he raves about that book. So that's a that's mm. a must-read for everyone. that listens. If you don't know who Gary Bensavenga is, just please trust me that that man is just extremely gifted at persuasion and sales, and he just loves that book. So um, that's an awesome, awesome, awesome uh, recommendation. Good job, Adam. Thank you. So what's been kind of the biggest mistakes that you've made? We talked about your challenges, talked about your progression. What were some of the biggest things that you, like, we could call them lessons or challenges, but where did you know, what were some of the things that you didn't realize that you'd done that you're like, oh, I should have done it this way and not that way? Hmm. You know, I think the biggest lesson I'm trying to think what to what to bring up because there's just so many different things that I could talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I have a, there's a great quote I have. I'm not going <laughs> to – I forget what it is, but it's like uh, success is like preg- – I'm not going to say it, but it's like success is like pregnancy. Everyone congratulates you, but nobody, times how many, nobody knows how many times you got screwed to get there. You know? <laughs> I, I love that, I love that oh, quote so because – that's right. It's like what uh, uh, success has many fathers, but failure is an orphan, right? Like nobody wants to put their hand. Yeah, that's my. Yep, I messed up. That's mine, right? 
but it's just true and you got to get through it it's all the it's all the missed shots at the net that you need to be able to get that you know be able to hit the basket so um anyway so funny <laughs> you know i think that uh, and, and and i'm i'm thinking if i should mention this because i i think i'm largely cured of that problem but but i you know at least in in my level my level of awareness i'm sure it exists kind of at the next level right mm-hmm. but it's really not reaching out for help fast enough oh that's such a good one and you know i am uh, so like my one of my advantages over other people is that I'm an extremely fast learner mm. um, and that's just a beautiful skill to have I can look at something and pretty much moments later I'm, I'm a master at it but one of my biggest problems and and um, you know and, and things that trip me up is that I'm an extremely fast learner right <laughs> because right. that gives me this uh, this uh, creates this, this this illusion that uh, I don't need support. I can figure it out. I'm smart enough. I should be able to figure it out. I can look at someone else who's doing it. I'll figure it out. Right. And give you permission to a, not ask for help. Yeah, it's such a cocky way of thinking. And and you know what it might rep- rep- you know manifest itself like is I end up you know listening to people's programs or teleseminars or webinars and say I can reverse engineer what they're doing. It's just like, well, yeah, maybe. Let's say that even that I could, but it's. You, you know, I can only reverse engineer what it is that I see. Right. I cannot reverse engineer what I don't see, which is typically the stuff that actually makes it work. That at my level of awareness, I don't see it, so I can't reverse engineer it. So I end up, you know, I often talk about this. Uh, I used to actually talk about this comparison. So let's say that you want to have a Ferrari. And um, you go like, great, you know what? But I'm kind of on a budget, so I'm going to build my own. And, you know, I'm pretty handy. I've got a garage that's pretty well equipped. So what I'm going to do is go to a Ferrari store, and I'm going to look at the Ferrari, exactly the one that I want, you know, and just kind of really, and every time I come across a Ferrari, I'm going to see it, I'm going to look, I'm going to observe. And, you know, let's say that you're pretty handy, and you end up creating a Ferrari in your garage, and it actually looks pretty darn good. It's like for, for to an untrained eye, it looks nearly identical, like the one that came from the manufacturing plant, you know, from from the, the original thing. And then there's only one problem: you get into this car and you want to drive it, and it doesn't go anywhere. And you kind of go, "What the hell happened?" Well, what the hell happened is you never got a look at the engine. You only saw the outside. You you built a fantastic replica but you forgot to build the engine that drives it because you were not aware of what actually makes this car work. And that's only visible from the insider's perspective. So, again, to make it practical, I see people all the time, they go like, oh, I see this person go there. Okay, they have a Facebook ad, and then they have a Facebook, then they have a webinar, and then they have an application page for coaching. Oh, I can replicate this. Well, good luck. All right, you can see see the, the, the outside of the car, an ad, a webinar, and an application page. That's the outside of the car. What you don't know is the whole engine that drives it. You actually know what makes the ad work. Do you know what makes that, that webinar, first the opt-in page and then the actual webinar, do you know, do you know what actually makes it work? Right. Uh, you have no idea. Right. Now, you can have an application. You can have people fill out an application page. Do you actually know what makes that conversation work to, to uh, result in the outcome that you're actually going for? So instead of 
So my mistake was in the past not going out there and not doing a couple of things. Number one, trying to jerry-rig a process. So if there was a tool, but the tool was, you know, let's say 50 bucks a month, I'd go like, oh, screw it, I can build my own. Well, that's a, you know, 50000 versus $5 million thinking. Yep. Yep. So now it takes me 90 days to, to do this thing where I could have had it done in three hours. Yep. It's like, what the hell was I thinking, right? Yep. Was it worth saving the money? So now I just, when I see a solution that, that I can push a button and get it done, I'm like, okay, done, that's it. Yeah. I don't care what it costs. It's still exponentially cheaper than me trying to figure out on my own and, uh, you know, and build it on my own and then put the time into this. And the second thing is when I want to get something done, I'm looking at okay, who is already doing it successfully that I know of, that I can get proof that it's done, that they're doing it 10 times better than I am. And reaching out and saying, look, you know, how are you doing this? So here's what I'm doing. How can I infuse some of what you've learned into what I'm doing to expedite the the results? So, and that's a you know that's a it's a tough lesson because sometimes, um, especially the the farther you grow your business, this is I'm going to actually share with you a super powerful lesson that was just uh, um, I just gained from from one of those interviews that I listened. We talked about it before the call. Interviews that I did a decade ago. I'm now listening to them, going like, "My God, this is such brilliant thing." That when if 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 we made an arrangement, Daryl, and I said, "Look, uh, if you give me a dollar, I will give you five dollars." How fast would you give me a dollar? Right. Oh, super fast. I, I, super I, fast. Super fast. But now if I said, look, if you give me $100,000, I'll give you $500,000. How fast would you do that? Mm, right. Well, that depends it's on your certainty same, income. Yep. It's a, yeah. It's, you know, how come you didn't ask about a certainty of the outcome of the dollar investment? It was the same arrangement, yep. five to one return on your investment. But you see what happens is our relationship with money and the, and the dollar amounts as it you know, as the dollar amount increases at the perceived risk, actually the risk was exactly the same. Yep. You know, you could have you could have lost all your money, you could have lost the dollar, but it's perceived as a greater risk because of the greater dollar amount involved, and we start tripping up. We start tripping up. So you know, I give you a story that about uh, this is actually about eight years ago. I was in the mastermind group, uh, and I was trying. I was working on this project, and I. I came like second quarter in, in, in a row, I came to my group and I said, I'm struggling with it, I can't get it working. And I said, well, is there someone who can help you out with that? And I said, well, yeah, but this dude wants like $25,000. And I, I kid you not, like in unison, it took the, the, the three people that were in my group, it took them less than an eye blink. And they looked at me and said, so? <laughs> and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, duh. Because the question, you know, I kind of like, what do you mean? So I said, well, if you give them $25,000, how much do you extend to gain? I'm like, well, probably at least 100000 And I said, okay, so what's the problem? It actually ended up being a $330,000 return in the first 12 months on a $25,000 investment. So huge. But I was huge. tripping up. If, if the investment was a product for 25 bucks, I would have bought it. Right. But because it was twenty five thousand, I was tripping up. I was like, "Oh my god, it's so expensive!" You know, I was like, blah, blah, blah. "Where do I get the money?" And yep. so on. Yep. So that's that's the that's the problem. And I want to show you today what I because a lot of what I do is high end coaching, consulting, and I teach others how to sell high end products. And one thing that people don't realize that the price 
that you get to charge for what you do has less to do with you, your methodology, the quality of what you do, and nearly everything to do with the prospective client's potential for gains. Mm. So if I wanted to sell a $100,000 consulting gig to a company that makes you know, I don't know, to, to a solopreneur that makes $50,000 a year, you know, even if I tripled the business, they're still only making $150,000, which, yeah. you know, is fantastic, right? At least they paid for the investment, but it's still not a lot of money. But if I now work with a company that makes a million dollars a year at least, yeah. and I can double the business to two million, they'll gladly give me my hundred grand because it's just a percentage of what they just brought in. Right because their potential for gains was so much bigger. Yep. And, you know, so, so, it's so it's such an important lesson because it has everything to do with um, attracting the right, talking to the right potential clients. Yep, yep. That's right. such a good point. And that's something that really speaks to me because I applied the same things that I, I it was the exact same thing. We talked, again, about the call. I had a martial arts school. I grew it to six figures automated a bunch of it. And I went and I applied the same skills that I had and I helped generate multi, like I built an automated multi-million dollar campaign. And the only difference was exactly what you said, the potential for the ROI that, you know, like, and that's when we talk about the marketing and all these things, a lot of people think, you know, my business is different or my situation is different. And a lot of it's not. I mean, if you were a carpenter, you know, like, or a plumber, like plumbing is plumbing, you know, like setting up a shower is setting up a shower. If it has a fancier shower head, it has a fancier shower head. That's great. But still fundamentally it's the same. And so what you said, again, it just, yeah, it's, that's a, that's a huge nugget that a lot of people hear. Hopefully someone listening to this call will take action on that and try and have the biggest so, impact on the world. Let me let me show you kind of a story here that I just uh, I'm thinking of, of compacting it into a lesson. So I'm going to I'm going to test it on your call here on your market. <laughs> sure. You know, I um, I went to see my daughter over the weekend. She is up in Northern California and Southern California. And I, I chose to drive uh, partially because I've got so much material that I wanted to listen. I'm like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to use the time to drive. So use the drive time to listen. So on my way back, uh, I'm driving late at night. There's nobody on the road. And, man, I'm, like, flooring it. And I've got a you know, high-performance car. Um, but the problem with high-performance car is it, 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 you don't even feel how fast you drive. The only thing that I, I'm kind of also in this thing, I'm looking at how much, what's the biggest mileage I can get out of that car, like mileage in terms of how much gas it, uh, it burns per mile, right? So I'm like in this in this uh, toss-up thing. Like I know if I I floor it and I'm driving 100 plus miles an hour, which I know is illegal, so so nobody turn me in, right? <laughs> but man, I'm just like enjoying it. But I'm also looking at how much gas it takes, and it's like it takes twice the gas that if I drove at 75 miles per hour. Right. And at one point, I kind of looking. I'm looking at all the dials on my dashboard, and it hit me. I'm like, oh my god, this is exactly what's going on in business which is you've got, you know, this theory of constraints that people know this is nothing new, but basically you've got, if you, build, if you put together a triangle and you realize that if you want to be at any one of the corners of the triangle, you've got three constraints. You can have things done inexpensively, or let's just say for, for, the, for the simplicity, so you can have things done cheap, fast, and, uh, and uh, at the quality. Right. 
All right, so I replaced quality with energy. And in my drive, I was thinking, okay, so I can get home a lot faster and spend a lot of my energy driving, but it drives my cost because I'm going to burn more fuel. Right. Right, so I can never have all three. I can have things cheap and fast, but they won't be good. I can have them good at fast, but it won't be cheap. Yeah. All right, and, and so, so you never have all three. So what dawned on me that the best, for at least for service professionals, we are looking for customers who want to get things done faster with the least amount of energy invested into getting the result. And because of that, they understand that it's going to take an increased investment. Mm. And they're willing to pay more money to spend more energy and get somewhere faster. Now, oftentimes, we try to sell high-end solutions to people that are willing to take longer and are willing to put more of their own energy into this, but what they're unwilling to do is invest more. And then this is where we get into nickel and diming situation where people are just going to you know, beat us down on price. They're just not our market. Yeah. They have already decided that the constraint they're unwilling to compromise on is the investment. What they're willing to do is compromise on how long it would take and how much of their own work they have to put in. So for many people, that's just not a good prospect for services. It's a great prospect for a product, yep. but not a good prospect for service. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I love that. Theory of constraints, that's huge. There was a book called The Goal that I think first talked to, or maybe that was about bottleneck theory. Theory of constraints, I'm trying to grasp. Somebody sent me something on that, and I was just going to read on more. Do you have a good resource for that? Actually, the goal is a great book. Um, I have to, you know, I used to teach more about it as one of my partners. I have to look it up. Uh, but the goal is a great book, and I think it's it, it's more of a uh, it's, it's put in a story as well. Mm-hmm. So it kind of allows people to to absorb easily, um, you know, the whole concept. But that's it's just really important because I I love the analogy because that and it goes back again to the guy he's making fifty thousand a year. He's got a website problem. You know, and he could get it fixed right away, but he's trying to he he's trying to live within the box that he's already in, as opposed to step outside that you know and 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 get to where he's going faster. So it's you know that's I love that. So we have cheap we have cheap was it cheap time and quality right, or cost time yep. and quality. Those are your three, and you can't have it. Yep. Any, yep. Yeah, I like that. That's a good mental image. Um, so Adam, speaking of trying to get places, what are you doing? What are you excited about? Where are you trying to get these days? Uh, very good question. So, you know, we talked about it again before we, we, we hit the, um, broadcast button on, on this conversation. Um, but we talked about how it, it's easy for entrepreneurial folks uh, to be distracted, how most of us are very creative, <laughs> right? And we just, uh, <laughs> Um, you know, we get excited more about what isn't than what is. <laughs> so, you know, I, um, I'm playing with this idea. I'm not actually playing with it. I'm, I'm, I'm really sharing it now with, with my followers and my students and clients. This idea of going platinum. And, uh, and I, I'll tell you a little bit what it means in my business, but let's just talk about the concept of going platinum. It certainly comes from a music industry, right? Right. And... When you think about so today, at the time we're doing this, we're having this conversation. Taylor Swift is doing just amazing things, right? It's just like mm-hmm. knocking it out of the park. Popular, the songs are just being downloaded and sold like crazy, millions and millions and millions and millions of downloads. But when you think about it, what Taylor Swift 
doesn't do is she doesn't create a new song every week and goes to the same coffee house singing that new song in, 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 in front of the same audience of you know, 20 or 40 people. Because that's a surefire recipe to be broke. Hmm. Instead, what she does, you know, she once in a while creates a, a, maybe a, a few songs or maybe even one song and puts it on a single and you know, pushes the publishing button and then takes that song to as many audiences and channels as she possibly can. Right. So in my case, you know, one of my most popular programs was Attract Clients Like Crazy. And I thought, you know, why is it that I sold thousands of those programs? It's a, you know, not, a, not a cheap investment. It's a minimum of $1,000 investment program, right? Why is it that I've, I've been so successful with it? And I realized that, for, you know, for number one, I've promoted it for a decade. I mean, that program existed for a decade. Hmm. Number two, you know, for a couple of years... I held a webinar every single week with a different promotional partner promoting that program. So I had the same webinar, the same song. I was just going platinum, taking it to a different channel every week. Mm. And so I think that most creatives, where they get confused is rather than channeling the creativity to find a better way to promote what they have, is they create something new. And again, give you a very practical example. I had a client who now runs a, a very successful multi-seven-figure business. When she came to me, she was selling 90-day programs that she was selling for 100 bucks. And there was lots of, so the thinking was, well, my audience is kind of broke, so I've got to sell, send them, sell them something that's cheap. And then, you know, the next thinking is, it's easier to sell to my existing clients. So every 90 days, which, by the way, many of them didn't even pay 97 bucks. They paid like three payments of $33, oh, no. <laughs> right? So every 90 days, she goes, okay, well, they're, they're off the cycle. I've got to create a new 90-day program to get them re-enlisted. So she now, for like a year or a year and a half, you know, created four or five or six of those different $97 programs. And in each one, she had 15, 18, 22 people, 18 people. It just kind of, I'm like, oh my God, what the hell are you doing? Right. And it's all this work to create this stuff. I'm like, okay, scratch that. Let's take the best out of, of the stuff that you had in all of those programs, turn it into one six-month program, and let's sell it for $5,000. And there, it's like overnight success. You know, first, first two weeks, she put it out there, put it, you know, recreated the offer, turned it into a $5,000 offer, uh, which she actually, the first time, again, a little bit of confidence issues, so there was some discounts. Nevertheless, it was sold like at 4000 or something. First time out of the gate, $48,000 a month. Next time out of the gate, $150,000 a month. What happened? It's the same thing. She didn't, she didn't go back reinventing the program. She just got better at marketing the program. I have another student I just met with, uh, who now is a dear friend. I just met with her uh, on Monday, actually. And she told me she's doing her program 50th time. 50th time. I remember yeah. she created the program, being in one of my coaching programs. Uh, you know, I kind of uh, became a godfather to it because I actually named it and gave it the first structure to it. <laughs> so I've, I've said, you know, I love successes like this because she has sold millions of dollars worth, impacted thousands of people through it. But I remember the day when she did it for the first time, broke to the point where she like, couldn't afford cat food for her cats. And, you know, within four to six weeks, made her first $7,000 with that program, kind of from the idea to the launch with no list, nothing. 
not even a shopping cart. I mean, everything was so jerry-rigged because she had no money to do it differently. And then I remember the day she came and just finished and said, what do, you, what do I do next? And, and I don't remember what I said specifically. I only know from her stories. But supposedly I said to her, look, if you do anything else but repeat the same program, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Which is kind of my delicate way of saying, you know, don't be stupid. Go back and repeat this. And look, you just created the promotions. You just got some partners on board. Give yourself four weeks and re-promote the same thing, regroup, and do it again. Yep. Man, she did, and she got triple the results, and then she said, what do I do next? I said, I think you know the answer. Yep. Give yourself four to six weeks and repeat the process. Yep. And, man, that's what she did. She put a clock in place where, you know, six times a year, she's doing the same program, and it's running largely on autopilot. She's got a very successful business, uh, you know, not a whole lot of stress. So this is kind of my long-winded answer to where I'm going. I've got a couple of programs and all I'm working on is putting together better promotional materials. So we've got, you know, programs that really take entrepreneurs kind of from where they are to to where they want to be, which is basically giving them better ways. So, so I'm focusing on teaching people three things. You've got to have a way to get consistent leads. Mm. You know, just last week I talked to two people that are pretty successful. They're over the six-figure businesses. Uh, and both of them, when I asked them, how do you get leads, they were kind of like, uh, they had a, you know, one or two methods that were extremely unpredictable and inconsistent. And I'm like, you can't run business this way. You've got to have a predictable, consistent way of getting leads. That's the first thing we do with people in our programs. The second thing, they both came to me because they, they hit a ceiling. They were like, okay, I am at this, you know, 150, $300,000 level. And I've been there for now a year, two years, three years, and it seems like I can't break it. What gives? And I look at the delivery method, and the delivery method is broken because they have largely chained themselves to uh, revenue that's dictated by the amount of time they put in the business. So we always look at how do we repackage the delivery or redesign the delivery so it's not limited or not bounded by the time. So it's largely either many-to-many or, or, or one-to-many or automated delivery. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and it's, many people have such a hard time um, really grasping that concept and, and envisioning the business is functioning different. So, you know, in my case, I support hundreds of clients every single month, getting them fantastic results. And my commitment to that program is two hours a week. Right. And people go like, well, how do you run a coaching business two hours a week from having you know, hundreds of clients? It's like that's because I've structured in such a way that their results and the value that they get is not measured by how much time I spend with them. You know, their, result, their, their, their value is measured by the results they get, and that's right. what I get paid for, results, not time. And then the final thing, we talked about it when I mentioned the book um, on the art of selling anything, is really knowing how to be influential and persuasive and knowing how to unveil it in terms of in front of a prospect a pathway to make a decision to invest in themselves and get access to your solution and there I, I encourage our clients to just replay that last sentence you know unveil the path for a prospect to make a decision to invest in themselves and get access to your solutions People never invest in me. They don't. They buy from me, but they don't invest in me on my programs. Yep. They invest in themselves. Right. You know, I love Warren Buffett, who's made you know sixty billion dollars through investing. 
has a saying that the only investment that he values the most and is always guaranteed to give a payout is the investment in yourself. And that's what people do. They invest in themselves to, to you know, get better strategies, better knowledge, change their thinking. But they do it. Um, they invest in themselves through getting access to my programs. Right? So I teach them how to, how to become better persuasive. So we've got a couple of programs that do those things for clients. And all I'm focusing on is how do I widen the, you know, if I have a, a single lane street re- lead, leading to that program, that only allows so much traffic before it gets congested. If I now to build a, a two-lane street that's better, I want to build, you know, an, an eight-line, you know, a 12-line massive mm. freeway that just leads to that program. Yeah, that's and that's such a smart, such a smart way to talk about it. I literally just had a conversation with a client today about um, a campaign that she's running, and the funny thing was is she was kind of concerned about her conversion rate. I mean, this this client, they're in a massive, like the, the market is huge. And I know we all want to niche down, but even her niche down niche, it's still huge. And she was concerned about her conversion rate. And I was like, look, if you want to make $100,000 next month, you know, even if you're only making $1 net profit, uh, you know, after all your expenses and everything, you just need to get a hundred thousand people at a dollar. <laughs> like that's it. You know, like it's, it's, there's two ways to do it. You can increase your conversion or you can increase your, your traffic, but it's playing with those two. And I love your analogy because it's not go create something new. It's not go back and fix something. It's do what you've already done, do it better and do it for more people. I think that's, I think that's really, really, really profound. And I, you read my mind when you repeated that line, can you just repeat it one more time? Because I was actually, I was like, I was going to ask you and you're like, Daryl, I'm going to say it again. And I, you, you literally step, you literally stepped in the conversation in my head. Can you just one more time for our listeners? Yeah, it's the ability to, to unveil the path for your potential ideal clients to invest in themselves to get access to your solutions. That's awesome. Yeah, to unveil the path. I love that because if the promise is clear for someone, the price is irrelevant. If they can clearly see, like that's why the language used, unveiling that. If you can just show them how what you do in in a we in a way that's believable i mean that's the biggest thing is as long as you can believe it as long as there's proof as long as i'm not being swindled because there are there are people who will eat your lunch for nothing out in the world you know then yeah i, I love that that's a great way to say it yeah. um, adam think- See, when you have conversations with people daryl it's like it, it really it, it's sales conversations folks get so timid about it and they and and i think it's because they perceive that when they ask for money Somehow they get the upper end, you know, of their of mm-hmm. the result. Right. And again, going back to this book, when when we translate everything to profit, so in in this in a sales situation, you, what may what will make you happier as a result is you're going to get some money out of that. But what you re- don't realize is what, 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 what this is a critical shift in thinking that what will make the prospect happier in the moment is to either gain something that's going to allow them to do something better or eliminate the problem. So let's say that, you know, I'm having a conversation with a person who can't even bend over uh, to, like, you know, have a conversation with their grandchild because of an agonizing back pain. Mm -hmm. And if I would say, look, for $1,000 in three sessions, I'm going to make that back back pain completely gone. Mm -hmm. Gone, and I'm going to, in addition to that, give you solutions that will never make that, 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 that back pain come back. Is it worth a thousand dollars to them? 
maybe they, when, they, when they've suffered with it chronically for a long time, it's like, oh my God, the best thousand dollars right. I've ever spent, it gives me my quality of life back, gives me the ability to be with my family, perform differently. Um, and to you, 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 you know, what made you happier is the fact that you just got the thousand dollars for your services. Yeah. And I think that most people don't understand this. And the only thing we do in our sales conversations is number one, uh, present that opportunity in front of someone, and number two, give them the tools to make a decision. Is this $1,000 versus elimination of your back pain worth it? Is it something you want to do right now? Maybe you have a bigger problem like you have a brain tumor. Well, in that case, you know, screw your back pain. You've got to go and work on your brain, brain tumor. It's a completely wrong solution. So in sales conversations, we basically help people make sure that they're making the right decision you know, so working on the right problem at the right time and that the investment is, is the right level of investment for them. That's all we're doing. And you can't force them. You can't make a decision for them. You just kind of open the door and unveil the path. Yep, yep. So elegantly said. Very. Uh, Adam, this has been such an awesome call. I do want to respect your time, though. Um, so I don't want to try and get more from you, but how do people get in touch with you? I mean, already I'm engaged. My, my brain's a fire right now. If someone wants to reach out and talk to you, how do they, how do they get in touch? Man, the best way is to go to the marketing mentors.com. That's T H E marketing mentors.com. That's mentors plural, right? With an S on the end. Correct. Okay. And, uh, you know, don't just go in there. Go and uh, whatever the current offer on the, on, the, on the page is, go and sign up so that we can be in touch and, and send you when I send articles and webinars and stuff like this. You can be involved and continue learning. Um, but, you know, I always like to tell audiences that the best – we get as creatives, we get so many ideas out of everything. The best way is you've just invested, you know, approximately 60 minutes listening to this. And the worst thing you can do is disengage and go right back to life and business as usual. The best thing you can do is take the next 15 minutes and debrief yourself. Like, what was your biggest takeaway? What's the one idea that you kind of go like, oh, my God, this was so hot? And then ask yourself, what would I have to do to make this idea work for me? And you will realize that typically it's like 5 to 15 steps. And that's all it will take to make this idea start paying off for you. But implement that idea and make it work. You know, so whatever it is, get better at sales conversations. You know, find one way to get leads that's predictable. Whatever is this one thing that stood out for you, go like, okay, let me go and do that and implement that. And if you don't, then engage with someone who can um, walk you through it and, and give you the tools and, and the structure and the know-how to make it work for you. That's great. No, that is such great advice. So yes, please, everyone listen to this call. Write down the biggest ideas. Write down the steps to doing it. And even write down a list. What can you do and what can you give someone else to do for you? Mm. Um, yeah. I actually add that on the outro of all these podcasts. I do exactly that. I, I position people with some questions to think about, about the interview. So thank you for taking the initiative. And people listening, do that. Do it now. Because the difference between the distance... Was it the the distance between your goals and where you are now is called action, and um, you just write it down, set the goal, break it down. Let's get to work and let's let's make some changes happen. So again, if you guys want to get in touch with Adam, it's the Marketing Mentors with an S on the end dot com, um, and of course, if you want to look him up, his name is Adam Urbanski, U R B A N S K I, <laughs> my brother from another mother. 
Um, and Adam, just thank you so much for joining me on the call today. Thank you for your time. I know it is valuable. I know you took time out of your day to share with us. You gave some awesome content today, and I just really, really respect and appreciate it. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me here. And, and Daryl, you are a fantastic interviewer. And uh, I just uh, one call to our audiences. Look, if you've enjoyed this, or any other podcast interview lesson that you've learned from Daryl in his program, dude, do that. You got to like push the share button and tell five friends and, and bring them and say, hey, you've got to listen to this because what will happen is, number one, you will ensure that Daryl continues doing this. <laughs> but number two, more importantly, you're going to transform your friends' lives. Your cool factor with your friends will go through the roof because they'll think you go like, oh, my God, this was such a great thing. Thanks, thanks for sharing. So don't be a hoarder. Don't be like, oh, I found a gold, but I'm going to keep it to myself. The, may, the way to multiply your gold is go share it with your friends. So push that share button, whatever it is, send an email, and tell five friends about it. Believe me, it will change their lives, and it will change yours in the process as well. And Daryl, once again, thanks for having me here. Thank you, Adam. You've reached the end of our interview. Now first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you. Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better. And your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, you're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.